Welcome to episode number 61 of the Canadian Prepper Podcast. We're recording March the 29th, 2020. My name is Eric. I'm the host of the show based in Southern Ontario. I'm a hunter, target shooter, ham radio operator, and computer geek. Uh, as a first responder, I've witnessed an over-reliance on emergency services during major events, and I started a small preparedness company to help uh, get people prepared for at least 72 hours, if not longer. Oh, hey, that's me. I'm on the wrong page. Did you? <laughs> I was waiting for Ian. <laughs> I take my cue from Ian. Where's Ian? Uh, I'm Alan. I'm a safety <laughs> trainer, first responder, security expert, and overall safety nerd. Uh, my name is Tyler. I live in northwest Wisconsin. Besides prepping, I'm also into homesteading, metalworking, engines, firearms, and the great outdoors. If you want to help support the show and keep the Canadian Prepper podcast on the air, uh, head on over to Rapid Survivor rapid survival where you can pick up a canadian prepper podcast t-shirt all the proceeds help keep the lights on and the backup generator fueled all right we've got some uh, blooming content for you in this episode we're going to start off with some preparedness related news next we'll let you know what we've uh, done for preparedness since the last episode and we're going to get into the main topic let's move into some news articles um i only put one in tonight uh it was a um, an article in the CBC, from the CBC, uh, one person dead and more than 50 displaced as a fire uh, after a fire, uh, sorry, after two fires uh, on Cape Breton Island. And it was mostly a reminder that there are still so-called average emergencies happening out there. So stay vigilant. Uh, the last thing you want is to end up in, a ho- in the hospital for something stupid. Uh, the hospitals where the sick people are, and that's not a good place to go right now. That's a good point. Uh, so for myself, I've got a couple of news articles in uh, for this episode. Uh, of course, we wouldn't uh, have a podcast without at least mentioning COVID-19 <laughs> once or twice. Uh, so I've got a provincial breakdown of COVID-19 in Canada. Uh, this is about a day old now, uh, but there's uh, 5,576 cases and 61 deaths uh, as of Saturday. So that was yesterday of being the uh, 28th. So it's, uh, it's still continuing the climb, but... Uh, Still out there, yeah. still happening. Yeah, the numbers have definitely jumped quickly in the states here. Um, let's see. Just now, as we record, the USA has got 141,000. So we surpassed uh, China and Italy now, taking the number one spot, I guess, for the most cases. Doesn't it feel um, good to be on top. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, not a list that we uh, really want to be at the top no. of. But, uh, no, we've got a, a comment in the live chat here from uh, Tim Gilby saying, technically not a prepper podcast anymore. <laughs> yeah, right. more, more a Corona <laughs> podcast. It's a reality. <laughs> it's just a reality <laughs> check at this point. The time for preparedness is over. Yeah, no, this, this uh, episode, we're getting back into the basics again. We're we're not going to go off uh, on a tangent about Corona, but uh, there's the, the one article I've got. Uh, and I have another one that... Uh, is in regards to uh, from the pet expert and it's uh, emergency preparedness for pet owners. So it, it goes over a couple of good uh, basic things to think of in regards to having some things for your pets, such as a, like a, a pet carrier, a first aid kit and, uh, and things like that. So it's a quick little checklist. So if, uh, if you've got pets, check out the, uh, the show notes and check out that article because it's uh, a good reminder. There's a, a couple of things you'd have kicking around the house for your, uh, for your go kit and for, uh, for your animals. Nice. Yeah, I had two articles. Uh, first one I threw in was one from the Daily Wire. A um, bit of good news uh, in regards to the coronavirus. So as of Saturday, the French government has officially sanctioned chloroquine. So that's the drug that's uh, typically used to fight malaria. You've probably heard quite a bit about it in the, in the news. Um, so they have gone ahead and approved that for certain patients infected with coronavirus. It sounds like uh, they ran like a small trial and 78 out of 80 of the patients were cured within five days. So, Wow. Bit of good news there, and then uh, just quick, quick updates. Uh, so um, today at the White House Coronavirus News, 
morning, uh, President Trump declared that the peak in death rates is likely to occur in two weeks. So as a result, they've gone ahead and extended those uh, uh, social distancing guidelines through April 30th. Um, yeah, didn't they say they're expecting something like 100,000 deaths? Yeah, yeah. I guess uh, Dr. Fauci, um, he's come out now and, and is expecting 100, 200,000 deaths. Uh, apparently that was from wow. CNN uh, CNN reports or something, but uh, yeah, I did. I did read that in the news as well. That's scary. So, hopefully, uh, hopefully it doesn't get to that level. Hopefully not. Yep. But thankfully, it seems like the the healthcare system is holding on. Uh, I haven't heard of any reports that uh, any hospitals are overrun or we're seeing anything like we were seeing in Italy. Thankfully, so. Well, yeah. All right, let's uh, scroll off of the uh, the whole COVID nineteen thing, <laughs> and we'll move into what we've done lately for our preps. And we've got a sponsor. What we've done lately for preps is brought to you by Super SE Straps. Go visit them at superessestraps.com. They make really cool stuff, and it's all handmade, veteran-owned, uh, really cool people. Go see them. They're, uh, they're awesome. All right. So for myself, uh, we purchased all the seeds we're going to need this year for the garden. So uh, great episode to, uh, to get into here. Uh, it's our first year starting from seeds alone. We've, uh, we've cheated the last uh, three or four years and just gone to Home Depot and bought the, uh, the pre-started plants and then just throwing them in the dirt and said hey look at us we're gardening so, uh, so we're going to try it this year from uh, from seeds and see how we make out uh, it distilled some more water uh, it tastes like wonderful whiskey I don't know what I keep doing but know, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll take it uh, and then uh, just like pretty much everybody else we've uh, cleaned up the house organized it and uh, cleaned it again and organized it. <laughs> uh, we got outside and uh, did the uh, the typical dog owner thing in the backyard and, and cleaned up all the dog poop from the uh, from the winter. And there was all a lot of fun, uh, big dog, big poops. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, they're all gone now. So, and the, most of the snow is pretty much gone here. So, it's, yeah, uh, it's been nice to actually get out and enjoy the uh, the nicer weather. Nice. Yeah, this week I spent as much time outside as I could. Uh, went out hiking a couple of times. Uh, we had a, a washing machine failure, which was. Uh, really unexpected, kind of unexpected, but really, really inconvenient. Um, so, and I've got some, I've got parts coming, so that'll be that'll be all fixed up uh, this week. So that uh, identified another gap in my in my knowledge and skills to fill. So that'll right. go on the go on the list of things to learn about. Uh, I spent most of Friday and Saturday out in the garage rebuilding the workbench and tool storage. So I've got a little bit more workable space, and that's going to turn into. Uh, camping supplies and other kind of deeper storage, uh, which is good. And then I got about half a quart of firewood delivered and got that put away because we're coming up to campfire season and I don't want to be caught without. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. For me, uh, same thing. Kind of got some small projects done around the house. Uh, unfortunately, we haven't had the nicest weather. It's been warming up, but it's been raining pretty much all week. Uh, so I've been stuck inside, um, adding some shelves to closets, increasing storage, uh, decluttering, going through a lot of stuff. Um, yeah, not a whole lot in terms of preparedness. Always plenty of news to watch out there. So if I'm ever bored, I can, I can flip on the TV and there's always something to listen to at least. But uh, <clears throat> Fair enough. Well, maybe we'll move into the main topic of the show then being uh, spring planting. Let's do it. Tyler, you've got the most experience with this. Why don't you yeah. uh, kick us off here? Yeah, um, I guess I don't know if it's the most experienced, maybe the most recent. Um, so growing up, we always had a garden. I remember mom always had a garden, at least especially when we were young, as we got more animals, uh, that kind of phased out. Um, but both my wife and I, we both loved to garden. Last year, we did our full kind of, our first full-blown garden. 
Um, she really enjoys learning about all the plants, how to grow them, how to use them after harvest, uh, any of the medicinal properties of the herbs, things like that. I just enjoy doing the work. I like tilling. I like getting out there every day, working with the soil. Uh, it gives me a reason to have to stand outside and water every day, those sorts of things. Um, so I find a lot of enjoyment and satisfaction. It's very gratifying to plant something, help it grow, and then harvest it when it's done. Uh, so it's also very cost-effective, too. Um, especially if you learn how to can or preserve your fruits and veggies. Um, so now you can build your own shelf-stable food pantry right from your own garden. Um, it is important when you are thinking about gardening to uh, learn what's going to grow in your area. So you'll hear a lot of times zones. You can look up what zone you are. Certain plants will only grow in certain zones. Um, it, it's also important to know like when your first frost date is or your last frost date is, um, both important dates to know. So that's going to tell you basically when you can start planting and when you need to be harvested by. Um, so it does pay to also keep somewhat of a journal as you're gardening. Uh, we've got just a three-ring binder here for the folks on YouTube can see it. Uh, just notes from what, what has worked and what hasn't. So you're not going to remember looking back over the years what's grown well, what hasn't. Um, also, take the time to go ahead and plan out your garden. Uh, I actually just kind of do like a map. And then I kind of plan out what I'm going to plant where. Certain certain plants are going to grow better next to other plants. Uh, again, I can't speak to them. My wife kind of knows all that. She knows all the technical stuff. But uh, why is she on the show? Uh, she should be on the show. <laughs> She's yeah. the expert on gardening. <laughs> I just know how to do all the work. So that's what I'm here for. But uh, I do encourage everyone who has has the uh, the ability to plant a garden to do so. It is very fun and rewarding, um, and it is like I said, very cost effective in terms in terms of food storage. Um, so um, just for a little bit of reference, um, seed packets are usually like a buck fifty to four or five dollars each, depending on what you're getting. Um, just for reference, we ordered seeds online uh, about three, four weeks ago now. Uh, we just got them from Baker Creek Heirloom Seeds, not to like plug anybody, but uh, we spent 105 bucks. We got 39 different seed packets, um, variety of everything. So, and these are all heirloom seeds, so we can learn how to save these seeds, and then we should never really have to purchase seeds again in the future. So that's another thing to think about when you are purchasing seeds. Nice. Um, I guess after after you've purchased your seeds, uh, as far as gardening tools, you don't need a big spendy tiller to really garden, but it certainly does help if you're going to scale things up. Um, besides maybe a hoe, a couple shovels, um, small hand tools for, for harvesting, like clipping things off. Those sorts of things come in handy, but you're not really looking at a lot of expenses. I mean, $100, and you could set up a pretty large garden uh, and harvest quite a bit of food off of it. Um, raised bed gardens work really well, too. We've got uh, two, oh, I suppose they're six feet by 14-foot raised beds. I actually built them out of some old guardrail that I got from a highway project. Um, and those work really well. They're about eight inches tall and and like I said, just fill those with uh, with your topsoil or compost or whatever you have around, and uh, you can plant in those. And did you those, put uh, drainage gravel into that, or is your 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 existing soil well drained? My existing soil is pretty well drained. Um, so I guess just kind of where I planted mine, my my garden is basically right in my backyard. It's about a hundred feet off the house. And it's uh, just planted right in the middle of the yard. Um, so I just went out there with the tiller tractor and tilled up. Uh, it's 40 feet by 40 feet is what it is. So about 1,500 square feet. And then uh, I use cattle panels to fence it in. So the actual fenced-in portion is 32 feet by 32 feet. And then I've got two raised beds on the backside, and those have fenced around them. 
And then on, on the one outside edge, I'll plant corn. And then on the other outside edge, I'll plant my pumpkins and gourds. And I'm hoping that uh, having those three sides kind of sheltered with, you know, large plants and stuff, that'll keep any predators away. We, we haven't had any issues with predators eating all of our all of our stuff the last two years. Um, so I'm hoping to keep it that way. You've had squirrels, the buggers. Squirrels, yeah. My wife's uh, she's a sharpshooter with the squirrels. She's got a little pellet gun. She takes those things down right away. So <laughs> there's not a whole lot of them them uh, hanging around anymore. They go after the birds too much, so they get uh, they get taken out pretty quick. But you guys have to come by and visit then in the summer. We've got a ton of them here. <laughs> they eat the garden and they ate my boat. I was not happy last summer. Yeah. Remember that episode? That was. That was <laughs> I think that's one thing you'll find gardening. It seems like everybody's got their uh, kind of predator stories, or everybody's oh, got yeah. their nuisances. Uh, some people fight with pests, you know, bugs or slugs, ladybugs, those sorts yep. of things. Um, like I said, we've been pretty fortunate. We haven't really had any problems with any of that the last two years we've gardened here. So I can't speak to a lot of solutions for those. But um, like I said, what we've done is is worked well. Uh, and then we that that thirty two by thirty two foot portion that's fenced in is where we just plant all of our vegetables um so let's see this year for veggies we are going to plant uh i can't even figure out where i am here there we are okay so we'll be planting onions chives lettuce cabbage squash peppers carrots beets cauliflower broccoli uh radishes and then some other oddballs too nice. um, so those are all plants that we found to do pretty well in our climate and they have a short enough growing season uh, that we can get them in the ground and get them out of the ground before things start to freeze again. That's nice. Yeah. yeah. That's I nice mean, spot. I guess I'm really lucky that I live in the, you know, smack dab in the middle of the most fertile growing land in the world. Uh, it puts me, it puts me in a really good position. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're, we're building, we're building our, our first bed this year. So I grew up with a garden, uh, much like you did, Tyler. I grew up with a big garden and my, uh, my grandparents had, you know, I think it was probably, if you added all the all the beds together, it was probably a hundred by two hundred yeah. feet. It was massive. Well. Um, but it fed three kids and three kids for twenty years. It was uh, it was an effective garden. So, where mm -hmm. um, uh, so I'm I'm not building anything anywhere near that big. It's probably going to be ten by ten by thirty. I think I haven't I haven't actually laid it out yet on the on the ground. But uh, we cleared the trees out for it last weekend two weekends mm -hmm. ago and uh we'll get it uh we're gonna get it built uh in the next week or so now because I, my my ground is all clay uh, so i'm gonna i'm gonna put down uh, a few inches of gravel and then put my topsoil on uh just so that it, so it's got some room to drain okay but uh, uh my plan is because i'm building it i've got the advantage of of um being able to kind of do what i want with it and so i'm going to build uh um, I'm going to build an, ir an irrigation system into it, so my my rainwater collection is going to have a tap off of it for sprinklers that will like I'll just run those under the under the grass into the into the bed, run a couple of sprinkler heads there, so I can keep the beds keep it watered without having to actually mm -hmm. go and water it. Yep, and that's what I find to be the most time consuming. Uh, besides weeding, our garden is watering, and that's something that I'm looking into this upcoming year. Um, is to build kind of what you're talking about, somewhat of a like a semi-permanent, semi-permanent, more automated watering system. Um, thinking about using like PEX tubing down each row of plants or something like that, but uh, haven't quite researched it yet. I ended, I ended up with a uh, with about a hundred feet of black um, like black flexible pipe, which is sprinkler pipe. Okay. Um, 
which works out well in my favor. So I can I can run it off the garage roof from my collection system out to, like it's about ten foot. 20 foot run out to the uh, out to the near corner of the bed so that'll be uh, uh, it's not a, it's not a long run and then I'm thinking of like four heads you know equally spaced in the middle I can I should be able to mm-hmm. should be able to cover all the corners of the uh, of the bed with it you know so that's my uh, that's my goal for the year. Mm-hmm. We'll, see, we'll see how it goes. Yep. I'm gonna I'm gonna be like Eric, and I'm gonna start. I'm gonna I'm gonna buy started plants this year because it's our first year doing this. So we'll uh, um, we'll get it going. My grandma was the was an absolute champ. She would she would start the she would start about this about this time actually probably about you know the beginning of March. She would start all of her plants indoors in the basement. She had her own little grow op down there, and she had uh, fluorescent tubing and or fluorescent lights and this whole system going and she would have all of her plants started mm-hmm. by like by May two four weekend or five yeah, May two four Victoria Day Memorial Day weekend. She would have, you know, good, solid, hardy plants that she could that was, you know, transplant day was my favorite day. Yep. Go out and you could see the uh, you know, they, they actually look like plants, not just little weeds or whatever. Um uh, Although I will, I will be the first one to admit I pulled the wrong pulled the wrong things out of the ground more than once when I was weeding. <laughs> <laughs> I was supposed I to be got the wrong got the wrong plant out. Uh, I still owe uh, still owe my better half a uh, uh, a chrysanthemum from last year when I was taking. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, after you get scolded for that, you don't make that mistake twice. Yeah, that's yeah, one plant I was quite surprised when we, we started with our garden here a couple of years ago that, that grew quite well. I didn't realize would grow grow in this climate is the hot peppers. Yeah. And I had peppers. no clue. I, I saw them and I was like, yeah, sure. You know what? I like hot food and such. I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'll grab those. I'll throw them on the ground. I'll, I'll see what happens. And they grew exceptionally well and uh, turned into some really good red pepper jelly. So Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we had luck with peppers. That was actually, so all the plants we did the last two years, we planted right from seeds and we've only had peppers and onions that haven't sprouted. So we are starting those indoors for sure this year, as well as maybe a few others. But uh, we'll be doing that this upcoming week is getting our seed starting station kind of set up inside. Very nice. My uh, uh, my fiance decided said to me today, um, as we were as we were talking about the show no, as I was I was working on the show notes and we were talking about what we were going to do for our garden. She said, "Don't forget to talk about uh, about herbs and all of the things yeah. that like all of the reasons for herbs. I mean, it's not only just for cooking, but um, if you go back to um, the Wilderness Survival um, yep. the Wilderness Medicine Handbook, Doctor Alton, um, all the all of the medicinal properties that that herbs have, and uh, I mean." Especially as first responders, we tend to make fun of people who um, who rely on essential oils for things. But the mm-hmm. those those herbs can can do a lot of good and can help boost your immune system and all kinds of wonderful things, as yeah. well as they're as well as being easy to preserve. Um, we used to preserve uh, preserve herbs by um, putting them in either a little bit of melted butter or oil, and then in in ice cube trays and putting that in the freezer. And then once it was frozen, kind of ice cubes, we would bag them and, and label what it was. Um, oh, that's so smart. So we've done that. And that way, you know, when it comes time to cook with it, you just toss the ice cube in the, uh, or toss the oil cube in the, mm-hmm. in, the uh, huh. um, in the pan. Yeah. And when it melts, you've got herb oil. oil. Yep. Oh, um, brilliant. So that was that was a one way that that I learned to do that when I was when I was young. My grandpa had this had an absolutely massive mint garden. Um, 
and it's kind of a warning, you know, a tale of warning about Mint as much as anything, because uh, Mint is uh, is really really prolific. It will uh, it will expand and self self replicate really readily and take over your whole garden. Uh, but he made tea out of it. He had mint tea and. Huh. He had mm-hmm. he had this whole drying rack that he made out of uh, out of pine and screen, and he would dry the uh, dry the mint naturally. He didn't put it under heat, and uh, and he had you know he had years worth of tea and gave it away. And uh, but mint tea was his thing, so that was uh, uh, that's one of ours. We're also going to grow garlic. Uh, we also decided on basil, rosemary. Uh, I've just added hot peppers to to our list. Thanks for the thanks for the tip, Eric. There, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, as well as tomatoes, cucumbers. Uh, my son has requested carrots. Uh, carrots and, are good. And zucchini, yeah. mostly because we made zucchini muffins this weekend. Uh-huh. And he's like, "If we had more zucchini, could we have more muffins?" <laughs> yep. So that's uh, um, that's where that has that's kind of where where we're going. So we're gonna we're gonna try and start out as easy as we can. I like the idea of hot peppers, um, yep. but if I do if I did my uh, um, did my math right there, and we add some maybe green onions to it. We can grow everything we need to make uh, to make salsa. And I don't think we'll yeah. have you know pints and pints of it, but uh, yeah, I've done a couple of jars of salsa out of the garden and, yeah, and canned it. Yeah, mm-hmm. get, a, get a couple of jars worth. And I mean, yeah. last year we made uh, just after the just after the canning episode we did in the fall. We we made uh, actually we had some of it yesterday for well yesterday and today nice. for uh, with lunch we had we we had some salsa that we made. So that was. Uh, uh, that was all purchased ingredients, of course, but we'll start tra- see if we can start transitioning over to uh, to the stuff we grow ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh, the two peppers that I found grew the the best um, were the just the, the jalapenos, your standard hot pepper, and then I did uh, habaneros as well, and those came out uh, quite good, quite well as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they both had a nice kick to them too. So drainage important. Um, Drainage is very important. Maybe we can talk a little more about soil. If you, if you don't have good soil at your property, you can make your own. Uh, it's called composting. We've probably composting. mentioned it a number of times on the show here. Um, don't have to have animals to compost. So when I moved in three years ago now, I started just collecting the uh, wood ash from my outdoor wood stove. I started collecting my yard trimmings, my leaves every spring and fall when I break those up. Um, and just put them in a big pile and uh, luckily I have a skid loader so I can turn it otherwise you could turn it keep smaller piles and just turn it occasionally with a pitchfork every couple weeks or couple months depending on your area and uh, after a year or two you'll have really nice black soil to just add right to the top of your garden and, and to work into the the existing soil that's there so yep. that's essentially what I've done so this past fall now I went around with the lawnmower and cut up all the leaves and then raked them up so they're chopped up pretty fine uh, spread them onto the garden and then I added about three or four inches of like nice black dirt compost that I had made for the last few years on top of that tilled it all in and then now all winter it has sat and then now just the past few days finally the snow is all melted and that soil is showing and it looks really good so I'm pretty excited for this upcoming summer nice to plant but. Yeah, it's uh, yeah compo- compost is, is hugely important because if you just pile dirt on there you're not going to end up with any nutrients because what ends up mm-hmm. happening if you grow the same stuff over and over again um, those plants will suck all the nutrients out of your soil if you don't do anything to add to it and then you end up exactly. uh, with with desert essentially so mm-hmm. uh, fertilizing can also be important depending on depending on what your uh, on what your soil is like and it's not a bad idea to test it uh, for its acidity or its alkalicity mm-hmm. uh, and then have a have a fertilizer mix that will Get it close to neutral or uh, or slightly basic is, uh, is 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 where most plants will thrive. But 
like Tyler said, check with your check with your local area. Um, and again, I'm you know I'm lucky that theoretically everything will grow here, uh, and I happen to, where my where my garden is going is now going to be in full sun, and I mean I back onto you know 200 acres of farmland, so it's uh, uh, I know it's good soil in the area, but mine's all like everything in my area is all. Uh, um, all clay, like right, you know, under my right under my ground is is clay, so it hasn't been you know it hasn't been tilled under like mm-hmm. like, the, like the the field has behind me. So uh, that's why we're going up high, right? We're gonna we're gonna do uh, we're gonna do two rows of like our our bed is two rows of two by ten, so it's gonna be you know it's gonna be nice and high up, so it's almost what eighteen inches high, and then we're gonna nice. do, you know, six inches of gravel and a whole ton of soil, so we've got lots of uh, lots of nutrients to go with because that's um, there's no, uh, uh, it's no good to have, to have your soil too wet cause that's going to rot your plants out. And if it's too mm-hmm. dry, they simply won't grow. So, yep. um, if you, if there's no drainage and there's no, uh, in, in your beds, if there's no drainage, then your plants, then your plants won't grow. It's almost, it's just as bad as not getting enough water. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's a good point. That's kind of the nice part with the raised bed gardens is you get to kind of control all of those variables. So if you don't have good existing soil in your backyard already, you can start with a small raised bed and and you can start with basically perfect soil that you go out and purchase. But I think what you find is as you want to scale up your garden, that soil is going to be probably your most expensive input. So if you are trying to buy all of your own soil, you're going to be spending hundreds of dollars to get truckloads brought in. Um, but it works great on a small scale. Figure it out if you're interested. See if you could grow stuff where you where you live and everything else. Yep, so. absolutely. Yeah, and yeah, a question it, in the uh, the online chat here, uh, just in regards to indoor gardens and and people in condo buildings, uh, if there's anything that they can grow for not the much of a supply. Any ideas, guys? Um, well, I when I lived on a 25th floor condo in uh, in, a, in down, you know downtown, and I had a, I had a northeast facing balcony. Uh, we didn't get a ton of sun, but I managed to grow six tomato plants on our balcony, um, and that you know that got me probably you know 30 or 40 tomatoes a year, uh, which wasn't you know it wasn't huge, but it was enough. Um, indoor gardening, I mean hydroponics is a whole different subset of. Of uh, of gardening, I, I can't pretend to be an expert at that at all. I'm not an expert at much, um, but I know that like I, I saw what happened. My grandma my grandma started soil and she used she used compost from our garden, uh, from my grandpa's compost pile. And he had this really um, this really ornate like four bin system where the stuff would go in the first bin and then every couple of weeks it would rotate into the second bin and then into the third, then into the fourth, and then from the fourth bin out into the garden. So she would go out in the spring and get a bucket full of that fourth bin compost, put it in, put it inside, um, into her little into her little planters, and that's what that's how she started her garden. Now she grew things inside under fluorescent lighting. Um, if you read the news at all, it is totally possible to grow things inside <laughs> <Yeah>. on, <laughs> on a fairly large scale without a whole without a whole lot of natural light um it's doable of course you're paying you, you've got to have the right temperature you've got to have yep. the right amount of light you've got to have the right quality of soil um but as long as you've got that theoretically there's no real limit to what you can grow indoors um mm-hmm. just you know it can it could really easily take over your life so i would say um you know maybe be a little bit cautious about uh how you know how uh how much you think you can you can actually net out of it, um, but you mm-hmm. know even you know, a few tomato plants, um, fresh tomatoes, fresh tomatoes off the vine always taste better than anything you can get you can get. In the oh, store. absolutely. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. That would probably be, probably be a good one. Um, I, I was reading, I don't need enough potatoes to do this, but I was reading about a way to grow 100 pounds of potatoes in four square feet, uh, basically by adding, um, basically adding boxes on top of each other, and every time your potatoes grow up, you add another box and add more soil, and they keep they keep growing and keep multiplying. So uh, you can theoretically grow again a lot of a lot of potatoes in a very small area. I imagine a lot of root vegetables would do. Could, you could do that with. Yeah, let's see why not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's you know you keep, you keep building up as you do that. Um, so that would be another way to do it. And I mean, there's you know greenhouses have been in existence for hundreds of years and they certainly do a good job so depending on how much light you have uh, you have that greenhouse effect you have the the advantage of having a year-round growing season because you've got uh, controlled temperatures so it's never too hot never too cold um, so it should work yeah. I've, seen, uh, I've seen like vertical gardens and stuff like that, that you can just mm-hmm. put up a wall and they've yep. got different buckets and such, and they're different layers. You can put different things in the in the different buckets depending on what you're growing. I'm sure it'll work really well for herbs if you're looking to grow herbs. Absolutely, your best year for growing um, for growing uh, in a condo. I think there's no reason not to. Um, yeah. We should find a hydroponics expert and get them on another on another episode. Yeah. That would be another um, a really fun fun topic to kind of be able to grow. Apparently the robots are taking over. Now. <laughs> so it sounds like <laughs> you got to fix your pigeons. Yeah, yeah we've, we've got a little hydroponic setup trying to go in the basement. Uh, we've just got an old stock tank, actually, and we've got like a floating foam board in it with uh, about a dozen or so um, like soil pods, and we've got cabbages grown out of them. Um, we're finding it a little more complicated than it seems to be online, but uh, we also haven't been putting a ton of energy or effort into it. Um, just been kind of trying it for fun, but we have got some plants now that are probably, yeah, probably a foot tall now, maybe a little better even. Um, but I think with growing indoors, just in general, what I'm finding is that the the uh, energy cost and everything else is going to kind of offset the savings in my mind. So I just I, the the self sufficiency that it provides is awesome, but when you're relying on electric light to keep everything going, it just kind of loses the appeal for me. So. I have a hard time getting interested in growing indoors. It, it it pays to start your seeds indoors, I think, so you can take advantage of a short growing season. But We've got another suggestion here from uh, Blizzard FPV. just says, uh, lease another suite and double your money with microgreens. Hey. <laughs> it, it could happen. It, there's, I mean, depending on what you're growing, there's, yeah. uh, there's a lot of profit to be made. Yeah, certainly. I, I do remember hearing a podcast once about a company that had taken shipping containers and retrofitted them for like indoor grow stations. And I can't remember the numbers, but uh, they were talking like six month return on investment. I think it was like thirty to fifty thousand dollars to purchase one of these units. But the the amount of produce that you could get out of it was just is unreal. Um, yeah. So there there definitely are options out there for indoor growing. Um, you see more and more of, of it uh, in the cities. People are trying to grow and farm indoors and. Uh, vertical tower gardens and stuff, so there definitely are options out there. But that, that concept of growing within a uh, um, within a shipping container also takes away the, con- the 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 risk of predators. It takes probably a lot of a lot of the bug risk away too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you have a light source there, so you know how that works. Um, it's, uh, it's probably it's probably more the most expensive way to to grow. Um, certainly doesn't get you outdoors enjoying the enjoying the soil that. Uh, Absolutely, yeah. That, 
you know, it's uh, it's certainly an option, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, I know a lot of buildings around here, anyways, are actually garden on the roof as well. So, do gardens uh, fix internet connections? <laughs> <laughs> no, but they often make those internet connections unnecessary. Yeah, fair enough. I, I guess if you are stuck in a suite too, another thing, um, you can reach out to people, see if they would be willing to either rent or just borrow out some of their land. Maybe you've got a friend out in the country. If you really want to garden, they'll probably give you a little 10 by 10 chunk that you could potentially garden on. Um, yeah. So that is something else you could do. But yeah, for, for me, it is it is probably 90% about just getting outside. Um, you know, having the, the fresh fruits and veggies there all summer long is awesome, but it's just a great reason to get outside and, and enjoy the outdoors. And it's very fun. It's very rewarding. <clears throat> there are a lot of buildings around here as well that uh, near them, um, the, so the city around here, the city here has put up uh, like reserve space in the parks and anybody that wants to can claim uh, can claim a row. They're usually about 15 feet long and anybody can claim a row and uh, to the extent that the um, the city will even fill water tanks to keep the, uh, keep the plants hydrated. Uh, if you if you are so inclined, they'll actually they'll actually come out and keep a uh, like keep keep a, a cubic water like a cubic meter water container filled with a spigot on it, so you can um, you can water your plants. Um, so those right. those exist as well. So don't be just because you're in a condo doesn't mean that's the only place that you can grow. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, that's a good point. Um, I guess I'd pose a question to the panel. So I uh, kind of touched on this already that weeding is my least favorite part of gardening. So do does anybody on the panel have any good ideas for keeping weeds out? I've heard uh, cardboard works. Last year we tried like burlap sacks, um, putting those on the exposed soil, but they didn't really seem to do much for the weeds. So I guess opening this up to the panel or any of the listeners, if you could email in any of your ideas on what you have found that uh, does a good job keeping the weeds from growing. So the, uh, the computer would, geek in me, there's a weeding robot you can get. Um, Alan might be able to actually talk to it. Uh, <laughs> this robot sound there with the internet connection. But, Some uh, autonomous yeah. robot. <laughs> uh, there, there is one you can get that actually scours through and, and technically eliminates any weed that it can find. I don't know how good it is, but I had to guess it's probably out of my price range as well. <laughs> uh, most likely out of mine also. The, uh, um, We've tried mulch. Um, I can't. I can't say that it has actually reduced the amount of weeds. Mm-hmm. I would say that it makes them less visible, which is nice. <laughs> but I don't think it makes them. I don't think it makes them uh, less prevalent. So, um, I, I think plastic is probably the only way to do it. I don't think that. Uh, uh, I don't think that it's it's the it's the answer, but it might be an answer. <laughs> So we got uh, one answer here from uh, Tim Gilby in the live chat. It says uh, two inches of garden mulch uh, helps maintain moisture levels and keep the weeds at bay. So that is definitely an advantage of the of the mulch is keeping the moisture there. So you have to yeah. water less often. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I I I don't know that it actually keeps the weeds at bay. I know it uh, it certainly makes them uh, makes them harder to find. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've had it work in, in one garden. Uh, so we've got some flower gardens in the front, and it's worked great in one spot. And in another spot, the weeds just come right up through it. Mm-hmm. So yep. I think it kind of depends on how quickly the mulch dries up as well. Right. It might have something to do with it. Well, and what and what kind of soil is under there? So I think depending yeah. on what what's under there too has a lot to do with it. So uh, that could be another another factor. Yeah. And just how often you're out weeding. The more yeah. you weed, the less you have. Exactly. Fair enough. <laughs> the earlier you get them, the less we, uh, the less we have to deal with it. Yeah, it's true. Uh, what else have we got on the list of uh, 
Um, I guess we could talk uh, climbers. Like some vegetables do require uh, like climbing mm-hmm. structures. You hear about tomatoes, like tomato cages and things. Oh yeah. Um, yeah that's uh, the one thing when, if you are starting to plan out your garden, don't do like I did for the first year and plant like absolutely everything all together and then have like a big mess of what did I do? <laughs> <laughs> tomatoes, yeah, take very, tomatoes take a lot of room. Yeah, and they, and they grow. I my my yeah. grandparents my grandparents' garden in the shed we had um, six foot bamboo poles. They were probably half an inch to an inch around, and they were just you know they were strong enough that we could jam them you know six or eight inches into the ground, and then tie them tie them off. We used uh, they used Velcro like little Velcro strips <laughs> um, to tie the tomatoes up as they were as they were going, and that was. Uh, um, that was a big. That was a big thing, uh, and also, uh, what else did they use that for? Um, bell peppers, the green peppers. Okay, got another tip here from uh, Blizzard uh, FPV. Says vinegar is a weed killer. Vinegar is a weed killer. I'll try Epsom salt too. If you just do salt water, that works as well. But we want to kill the weeds and not touch the plant. Right, that's the plant. where you got to be careful. Yep. Don't do it on a windy day. Yeah. No. <laughs> nope. Uh, let's see. So maybe I'll list off what I'm growing this year, and we can get yeah. some ideas as to yep. so what uh, we can grow. So this year, the the uh, the seeds that we ordered were big beef uh, hybrid for tomatoes, because we've always grown the big beef tomatoes, and they've turned yep. out quite well. Uh, we've got some cherry tomatoes, as per usual. They always turn out quite well. We usually do a bucket as well on the on the deck and and uh, water it there, and they work out. Um, the hot peppers again, because why not? They've worked out great. Uh, we're trying uh, lettuce this year, so it's called salad bowl. Uh, we got a ton of those seeds. Uh, it came in a package of 1,200 to 1,500 seeds, so we're going to have a few for a while. Yeah, uh, some green pe- or some green onions, and we've got um, some pickling cucumbers. As uh, like, uh, like I mentioned in the canning episode, I do canning every fall, so we're going to can up some uh, some pickles instead of having to go out and buy them. We're going to grow them ourselves this year. Yeah, uh, radishes. Uh, who doesn't like radishes? Communists. <laughs> And then uh, some carrots, uh, some red and green peppers. We're gonna take a shot at asparagus this year, so that'll be uh, it'll be something different, but that uh, should be good. And uh, then some beets. So we were gonna try and can some of those as well. So mm-hmm. we'll do another episode on canning in the fall, I'm sure, and I'll talk about how that uh, works out or doesn't work out. I'm, I'm sure it'll work out perfectly fine. But I, what could possibly go wrong? Yeah, you know, who knows? <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> We're uh, we're also going to do spinach this year. Of uh, we just, uh, we 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 really like spinach. Nice. Again, one of those one of those things that takes me back to my childhood was uh, was uh, you know going out first thing on the, first thing in the morning and picking picking spinach and then having it with uh, with poached egg on toast. Nice. That was, uh, that was Sunday morning breakfast in the fall. Yeah, and there's something fun about going out there and picking it right off the vine, yeah. eating yeah. it right off the. Yeah, it's just yeah. fun. It's just cool. I, I, I was, feel like a pioneer. I don't know I was, what it is. If you haven't done it, you should yeah do it because it just feels good. The only thing I wasn't allowed to do was pick the raspberries because I ate more than went in the basket. <laughs> yeah, no, that's the way to do it. That's how you know you're doing it right. Exactly. Another thing we've we've got to do this year. Our our raised garden bed is starting to to fall apart. It's been there now for about five years or so. Um, so the wood's starting to degrade a little bit. So we're going to look at putting something a little more permanent in and a little bit bigger than what we've got right now. The one we've got is is not overly large, but um, since uh, our green thumbs are sort of working or have worked the last couple of years, we've been able to put some food on the table with it. We're going to take out um, one little spot we've got in the backyard that just has some some flowers and such. That uh, yeah, sure they're nice to look at, but that's about it 
we're going to repurpose that, uh, leave the, the flower beds in the front and then uh, put some bigger, bigger raised garden beds in the back. So hopefully that's, uh, what are you building? What are you building your new beds out of? Just wood again. We're not going to get anything fancy. Okay. So I don't you know. Use exactly. uh, cedar or just like non-treated? I know you're not supposed to use uh, any treated lumber. Yeah, that can it's lead non-treated. Non so, okay. you know what? I can't remember what type of wood we use. It was about five years ago of what we okay. built. I, yeah, I've heard. I think cedar wood will last longer. I think, I think that'd be the longest, yeah. So I might uh, might try to do that. I've grabbed a couple of plans off the, off the internet. So we're going to try to uh, to build one of those. I will see if I can do it. I'm not the not the best of building stuff off plans, but uh, you know it'll resemble a garden bed, I'm sure. Yeah, as long as you get a basic box that you can put dirt oh, in, yeah. that's what it really looks like. As long as it's got four sides at the end of the day, it'll be fine. Yep, doesn't have to be fancy. <laughs> oh yes, don't worry, Blizzard. I will leave some flowers for the bees. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. We all need bees. Yep, like I said, <clears> the front yard's got a bunch of garden beds. The backyard will be the vegetables, so the bees will be happy. Now, my grandma always had marigolds around the outside of her bed. She said that it kept a lot of the bugs away. Again, I don't I've know how weird that like was, that too, yeah. but they never had they never had big problems with bugs. And she always had little. She always had flower, like I said, marigolds around the uh, around the perimeter, and mm-hmm. that's what that's what she said worked. And it's hard to hard to argue with her results. So. Yeah. I know just keeping a good perimeter makes a big difference too. And that was yeah. kind of why I chose to plant mine basically right in the middle of the yard. I've already got grass trimmed all the way around it. Um, and then I just go ahead and usually keep like a two or four foot swath tilled around the whole outside of the garden just to keep any invasive stuff from growing in yep. from the outside, that sort of thing. Yeah. I'm just like predators don't like to be out in the, the middle of a yard either, right? Right. That too. Yep. And out of sight. So smart yep. way to build it. Yeah, generally keeping it close to the house, going to keep the deer away, things like that. Yeah. So, or bring them in around. I was going to say, go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hopefully that goes well this year. We'll see. Uh, you have anything else to cover off? I think we've we've hit all the points on my list. Just waiting for it to warm up and dry out so I can get started. Yeah, uh, yeah we had uh, we've got like our our whole our whole yard is just a big swamp right now. We had oh, a yeah. massive amount of rain the last couple of days. Yep. Same here, same here. And it started for us last uh, well, about the evening yesterday. It started and it's been downpouring all day today. So oh, yeah. we got to the backyard just in time. Imagine all that dog poop with all the rain. It's not good. <laughs> <laughs> You should have right. turned go in one spot. Yep. <laughs> well, he does, and then he moves as he fills the spot up. But uh, well, if we've covered everything off for uh, for gardening, let's move into uh, the podcast challenge. So this year, try and plant something easy, like green onion roots. Yep. Just one thing, and, and use it as use it as your starting point. Yeah, celery is a really good one too. I know you can you can just save some celery stock, I believe, and just plant it in a mason jar with water, and it will just continue to grow. <laughs> so do some fun stuff like that uh, indoors, and just kind of get you interested in it. Yeah, I heard you could do that with uh, green onions. I didn't know you could do it with celery as well. Nice. All right, and we'll move into some uh, upcoming events. Oh, hey, that's me again. That's you. <sighs> again, this should be Ian's thing, but. It is, but he's not here. Something about hot water and having to wash his hands. I don't know. I don't know. I think he's taking the thing way too seriously. Yeah, he is, yeah. Yeah, This whole hand-washing thing. 
Coming up July 4th, 2020 in Balmoral, New Brunswick, we have the Podcaster Charity Shoot hosted by Slamfire Radio. That is at the Restigouche Gun Club. This year's charity of choice is the Rod Harkwell Memorial Fund. There's a link in the show notes to that. Uh, you can register on Practice Score to buy tickets. Again, the link in the show notes for that one. And we've got uh, Emergency Preparedness Week coming up uh, May 3rd to the 9th. So uh, be prepared for that. Be prepared. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> you got the joke. I'm glad. <laughs> uh, Tyler, you want to take on uh, TACOM? Yeah. Yep. Uh, we got TACOM Canada 2020. That's going to be September 11th through the 13th. Uh, the Canadian Pro Gun Podcasters Network will be in attendance at TACOM 2020. Your favorite podcasters will be on hand throughout the show, so make sure you stop by the booth, meet your favorites, and pick up some swag while you're there. Uh, you can see details for the show at the ticket link in the podcast notes here. All right, and we'll move into some shout-outs. I'm sure I've shouted my grandparents before. I think it was during the canning episode, but I will shout them out again. I channeled this weekend my grandfather's tool-savvy and planning skills for my garage, my grandmother's passion for gardening. That's uh, that's kind of pushing me to uh, to build these beds this weekend. So that's uh, that's where we go. Nice. I'll, uh, I'll do a quick shout-out to Ian. I, uh, I hope you get your hot water tank fixed so you can wash your hands again and your high heels. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll, I'll uh, give a quick shout out to my wife, Colleen. Uh, she's a soap maker, and this whole pandemic has really encouraged her to source mo- more local ingredients. Um, so she's now working with a local butcher from the same city that we live in. Um, she's going to be rendering her own oils from beef and pork fat to replace other oils typically used in the soap making process, like coconut or canola oil. Cool. Um, so hoping some other good comes from this pandemic and uh, kind of motivates people to support more small, local, and sustainable business. Yeah, that'll be one positive, I'm sure, that'll come out of this. Yeah, so. hopefully. <clears throat> All right, so we'll move into some email and iTunes reviews. So we've had uh, one email come in uh, to the feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. Uh, it is in uh, regards to uh, coronavirus and some things. So I'll read it off here, and then maybe we'll get some uh, feedback from the panel. So it says, uh, first off, it starts off with a link. Uh, it's um, just some information on corona and, and where it's spread and, and um, some statistics on it. And it says, uh, I speculate as follows, so use your common sense. Uh, believe what you want to believe, but protect yourselves uh, in line with that belief. Uh, number one, uh, he expects martial law and emergency measures act sometime uh, in cities in Canada shortly. Uh, police troops in the street, warrantless search and seizure of civilian stuff. Uh, police, RCMP, and military are there to protect themselves and the elites. Uh, you as a civilian, lessons, or not you as a civilian, those are lessons from High River and uh, Katrina. Uh, U.S. martial law coming, but will be slower. The regulatory framework is more angled to statewide deployment. Uh, there's two, maybe three strains of this. Uh, you can catch any of the three more than one or uh, at the same time. Uh, 10% of people to get severe version that starts as a cold, becomes flu, then uh, pneumonia. Uh, it's a very deadly phase. Uh, the bug appears to be able to at least the co- or be able to uh, at least a couple of days on many surfaces, uh, it could invade you, uh, pass through someone's uh, vapor trail, or it could settle under clothes. Uh, self-isolation is a thing. Yeah. Uh, don't trust the government. They're interested in protecting themselves and the elites that keep them in power. Normal civilians are of uh, no consequence and are mere chattel. Uh, be respectful of others, but stock up on non-perishable supplies. Uh, China and the EU lockdowns are two months. Uh, plan accordingly. 
And uh, Goldman Sachs anticipates 24% drop in the U.S. Uh, GDP. And since they are on uh, on this debacle, uh, you cannot discount the statement. Uh, Canadian dollars uh, overvaluated at 70 cents. Uh, Spanish flu of, say, 1918 was two steps. Phase one, largely covered by major governments, expects, uh, except Spain, who had provided actual case numbers, and they were not a major participant in World War One. Uh, phase one was bad, then dissipated in warmer summer months, only to come back with uh, ferocity, uh, ensuring winter flu season, 30 to 50 million dead. Uh, one third of global population speculated to have caught, but most survived. Uh, number 10, uh, it believes it's a bioweapon, so vaccination won't be simple, slam dunk, nor will Big Pharma be able to use cookie cutter vaccine solution like typical seasonal flu. Uh, 11, I expect uh, further stock market, capital market declines as the lower epidemic uh, output. Example, what Goldman says should impact profits and stock prices. Uh, don't uh, trust the numbers from the uh, Prestitutes. <laughs> uh, even the numbers via the above link are probably understated. Uh, follow your instincts, more common sense. Uh, help your friends and family. We shall get through this. Don't trust power hungry politicians or police. Uh, good luck. Feel free to chew me out for being alarmist. There's a lot to unpack here. There is a lot <laughs> to unpack here. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we could go, go, go through here. point by point. Um, I think overall, the the good stuff to take away from this email, uh, one, self-isolation self is a thing. To, Absolutely. To, to self-isolate properly, which is a really good yeah. idea, and I think everybody agrees that that's a good idea, you need to be well-supplied. Um, yep. So be well-supplied. Um, Absolutely. But don't, but don't be... Don't be so hoardish. Don't hoard so much that you that, that other people are lacking. Yep. Um, so I think I think that's that's the big thing to take away. Um, whether it's a whether it's a bioweapon or not, whether the numbers are accurate or not, frankly, it doesn't really matter for us. No. I think it, the the end result is that people are going to be sick, and the longer yep. that we're in contact with other people, and the more people we contact, the more likely we are to get sick. So the less contact you can have by being well prepared and having to make fewer trips into into populated places, the better off we all are. So yep. that's I think that's that's the big takeaway from this, and everything everything else is mm -hmm. is a lot of opinion, a lot of conjecture. Yep. Um, I believe we covered off the whole. Um, lifespan of it surviving on surfaces with uh, with dr alton there and i believe he yeah. came to the conclusion that it's not a couple of days it's more more hours to 24 hours mm -hmm. so that's good and, to know. and, and it's, again there's there's as much misinformation there's probably more misinformation yeah. than, than information available and so it's it can be difficult to know who to trust Absolutely. especially if you are one of those people who is naturally distrustful of government sources yeah uh and so I think it's probably accurate. And I think, again, everybody everybody can agree that uh, the numbers are not being accurately reported. And I think whether that's malicious or simply because we don't know, right? Not everybody that gets sick is going to get tested. So we'll, yep. we'll never know the exact numbers. And again, it doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. What yep. matters is that you isolate yourself as much as possible. So for... For that part, for that part, yes, absolutely. Um, yep. Whether it's a bioweapon or not, who knows? Yeah, um, we're never going to know. We're never going to know. Frankly, who cares? You yep. can be upset about it, or you can simply adjust your life accordingly. So, mm -hmm. uh, that's, focus on what you can control, and uh, exactly control what you can. Yeah. Yep. Stay up to date on the rest, but but don't dwell and and you know throw your life away over it because there's really yep. not much you can change. At the yep. end of the day, none of us are virologists, so we yep. kind of have to take somebody's word 
word on what's going on at some point or, or believe some source of information. So be careful what, what source you're choosing. Uh, I like to choose like Dr. Fauci and, and Deborah Burks from the lighthouse. They seem to, to have a pretty realistic grasp on things, but that's just my take. So it's like, it's like you're in a strange city and you're asking for directions, right? If two, if two yeah. people give you the same directions, chances are your point you're going, you're going the right way. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. But if you only ask one person, you have no idea whether they're right or not. So um, yeah. I think, I think, I don't think there's a lot of intentional, uh, intentional misinformation. I think yeah. that there's a lot of speculation that is being mm-hmm. misconstrued fact. And I think that there's a lot of, um, there are a lot of variables that some that, that sometimes people aren't considering. So yeah. um, I think we're just in that weird limbo period. Everyone's kind of waiting to see how this unfolds. We as a society do not like to wait. Everything is now, 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 two-day yep. shipping, one-day shipping. We just need to sit and wait and let things unfold, yep. take yep. the measures that you need to take, self-isolate, make sure your preps are good, make sure you've got what you need. But, yep. but at this point, we really just need to hunker down and kind of wait and see how it unfolds. Um, okay, so on a scale of 1 to 10... Uh, how are we rating this for Alarmist? Uh, like seven and a half. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Six to seven. Six. Yeah, five, six. Yeah. yeah. I'm pretty skeptical, so I'm, I'm kind of with this guy. But You're only paranoid until you're right. Exactly. Yeah. So, it I is weird that, that we have so quickly surpassed China in cases, and we are such a le- less dense population. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, the, That's all I'm going to say. And That's again, if you're only if you're only testing one in one in a thousand people, then you're only getting one in a thousand results. And you know, mm-hmm. is, it, is it because the U.S. is testing more, or is it because China's underreporting, or is it because it's actually half of what it is? But if we don't take it seriously now, then it might become worse. And so they're overreporting in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's you know there there are a lot of there are a lot of variables there. Uh, but I think I think we're never going to know all the answers. Uh, so all we can do is just sit back and uh, um, crack sit back. a beer and enjoy the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, there you go, Peter. You got a, a six to seven on the uh, the ten point scale there of being an alarmist from the panel. So not terrible. Um, and thanks for the email. We appreciate it. Yeah, and, uh, always appreciate yeah. the. the yeah, we always like getting emails, no matter what uh, what they're in regards to. We'll read them out and we'll get the panel to talk about them. Uh, so as far as iTunes reviews go, we are at 51 five stars. We've got uh, five four stars, two three stars, one two star, and that one little guy at one star. But you know what? Like I keep saying, the board's filled, so <laughs> you can't please all the people all the time. No, you can't, but uh, we please most of them because we got 51 five stars, so I'll take Perfect. it. Uh, so does panel have anything else they want to add before I move into the outro? Um. Perfect. All right, then. I will uh, bring episode number 61 of the Canadian Prepper podcast to an end. Uh, You can find the podcast on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or, of course, your favorite podcast app. Uh, Please help us out and submit a review. It helps other people find us. We record these shows live on Facebook and on YouTube. If you want an early peek at the shows, please subscribe to the YouTube channel, Canadian Prepper Podcast. Click the notifications tab. That gives you an alert when we're going live. If you want to contact me directly, you can find me on Instagram at PPSWO or shoot me an email, Alan with one L at prepperpodcast.ca. And if you've got any questions or advice for me, you can email me at Tyler at prepperpodcast.ca. Right. And uh, you can check out Rapid Survival at rapidsurvival.com. Uh, you can get me there on the live chat while you're buying uh, what little prepper gear I have left in stock. Uh, you can also email me at uh, feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. 
Hey, Sorry. Eric, do you have any uh, hand sanitizer? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I've got more coming, but right now, no. <laughs> you, you and everybody else. <laughs> yep, unfortunately, but although I will, I will say my my neighbor stopped by yesterday while we were out in the garage. He had he actually made some hand sanitizer out of uh, with some uh, uh, a couple of bottles of isopropyl alcohol he had, and he was oh, going nice. around the neighborhood and making sure everyone was well supplied. So oh, uh, nice. I really appreciate awesome. that, Dan. If you happen to be listening, good for you. You are a better man than I. I would be hoarding that for myself. <laughs> Well, with that, thanks for joining us. And uh, until next time, be prepared, stay safe, and keep learning. <laughs>